Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. And if you brought your Bibles with you this morning, would you flip open to Hebrews chapter 11 with me? Hebrews chapter 11. And let's, uh, let's read this together, okay? We're going to start in verse 30 this morning, verse 30. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disappointed or who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. We've been going through Hebrews together and... Uh, a couple weeks ago, we uh, looked at faith that moves beyond death, and last week we looked at uh, faith is passed down, and now we get to see these people who are putting their faith in action in, in every day. They, they've learned, right? Israel was in the desert for 40 years, and uh, they've kind of learned some things from Moses, and Joshua has now taken over them. They've crossed over the Jordan, and now their very first battle they have to face is Jericho. Really weird story, by the way. Um, doesn't make sense in terms of battle plans, doesn't make sense in terms of <laughs> really taking over a city, but it makes complete sense when they follow, when they follow God's commands. But I think after all of these, I, I, I should stop saying think, Okay, I'm going to stop saying think. If I say think, just like put your finger up. No, don't do that because that'll make me really bad. Uh, but as I look at scripture, when God calls Joshua to be strong and courageous over and over again, Joshua has nothing but to respond in courage and strength because he knows where his courage and strength comes from. So often I think, so often we try everything on our own. Man, if something is not working, we either keep pushing through it or we try to figure out different ways to fix it. And God is saying a lot of times, there's a better way. Could be a better way to do this if you think about it. Or we just go with the flow of things. But I want to show you this morning what God tells Joshua before we pray this morning. I, I want to share with you in Joshua chapter 1. So if you'll flip there with me, Joshua chapter 1. And God has a conversation with Joshua. And I, I don't know how after you could have a conversation with God, how you couldn't respond like Joshua did. And so let's read that together. And we're going to start in verse 5. This is what God says to him. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Jesus said that as well, just to let you know. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, 
that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. God, you have given us your law. There are times where we don't feel like diving into it because it doesn't seem the easiest. And I don't think it's supposed to be easy, but it's the right way. And so God, as we unpack your scripture today, would we open our hearts to what you're telling us? And would we have ears to listen to you alone? In your holy name we pray, amen. So Joshua gets this amazing experience with God and it is phenomenal. He's been walking through the desert watching God take care of them all these 40 years and now Joshua is the one in command. And over and over again in verse one, it says, be strong and courageous. Would you just be strong and courageous? Would you trust the things that I've, that I've given to you? The law that Moses has shared with you. I think there's a certain point where we talked about last week that faith is passed down, but now it comes to the point of, now I actually have to live it. My faith has been passed down to me, maybe by my parents, but what if, it, what if now it becomes my own instead of following what my parents have said over and over to me? What if I have to move from a place that I've been so comfortable with for so long and now I have to become an adult, right? And so in terms of this, I think, man, this is almost Joshua and the nation of Israel is adulting right now. They're taking a step to go, okay, now I have to do this process on my own. This is up to us. Our parents have passed it on and they made a mistake that allowed them to have to wander for 40 years. But now we are going to take up the mantle that God has been saying all along. And so they come right back to what happened 40 years ago. Joshua is now telling his people, would you go and would you scout out the land? Would you go and tell us how easy this is going to be to take? And so in, verse, in chapters 2, 3, 4, and in, in the, even into 5, God is preparing Israel to kind of take over. And one night as Joshua is out, and we'll go back to Rahab because Rahab is, is a huge part of this, but one night Joshua is pretty close to Jericho and he decides to go out away out of the encampment that they're at and just go and talk with God or maybe pray we we don't really know but I want to read you this encounter because (laughs) when I think about the struggles that we may have to go through do we take time to step away from something maybe it's in our marriage do we take time to go I'm going to step away and I'm going to spend time with God to figure out what's going on. Maybe in our work, maybe in parenting, or do we just keep pushing through? And Joshua in chapter five, verses 13 and 15 says this. 
When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. This is kind of scary. What would you do if you went away to get some clarity about life and all of a sudden there was a guy holding a drawn sword in front of you? I don't know if I would have the exact same response as Joshua, but Joshua doesn't run away. He doesn't get scared. He doesn't actually, he also doesn't fight right away either. Which is something I find very interesting to some of us when we get in these positions. Maybe it's a fight that we have with our kids and we want our way to be the right way. And so instantaneously, we don't take a step back. We go into fight mode. Or we go into flight mode, right? We, we do that all the time in our family. Last night, just even in bed, right? We're trying to get our kids to bed. And we're like, and I told my kids, I said, well, we should go to bed right now because do you guys want to go out on the lake tomorrow? And because I know that my kids are tired, one of my kids looks at me and just goes, uh, just goes, no, we should just sell the boat. <laughs> we're just going to sell the boat. I'm like... Really? And then my other kid was like, we're going to sell the boat and we're not going to have any memories, right? Like, we're going to have no more memories in our life. And right away, what did I do? I didn't remember the situation. I went into fight mode. That's right. We're going to sell the boat. <laughs> All right? We are going to sell the boat and you guys are going to have no memories. Now go to bed. <laughs> Which is totally irrational. And Joshua in this, and I know, that's not, I know that's not Jericho, but Joshua in this moment doesn't run away, doesn't run away from his problems, doesn't also fight to fix his problems right away. He sits here and he rationally says this. This is unbelievable. Are you for us or for our adversaries? That's just what he wants to know right now. And then I'll take the next step. God says, Jesus says something later on in the New Testament. He says, he says, don't worry about tomorrow for today has enough worries about itself. Joshua in this very moment is worrying not about tomorrow, but worrying about what's right in front of him. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And then the answer that comes from this person is unbelievable. And the person said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. This is God himself standing in front of Joshua and Joshua knows exactly what he's supposed to do in this moment. He is supposed to spend the time giving God the honor that he's due in this very moment. Not worried about how he's going to take over Jericho. Not worried about anything um, that may or may not happen to him. He knows, once again, like I said last week, who's and who's he, who and whose he is. 
And then it goes on to talk about what he's supposed to do. And there are, I mean, there are so many commandments in this that he's supposed to be doing. Hey, these people are supposed to go first. You're going to be this this type of people is next, and then this section, and then this section, and you guys are going to be walking around Jericho one time a day, and then on the last day, you're going to walk around seven times, and then you're going to blow this horn, and then I'm going to give you this city into your hands. The only reason why Jericho fell is because Joshua and the Israelites obeyed the battle plan. The only reason why Jericho fell is because Joshua and Israel obeyed the battle plan. So if you're taking notes with me, that's your very first point. I sometimes wonder if we, if we know the battle plan. If we know what Jesus is asking us to do. It's all right here. But yet we choose not to follow it all the time. Since we're talking about our kids, I mean, the biggest thing, patience, right? Patience. Why am I arguing with a five-year-old? They don't, they don't see the full picture. All they want is an ice cream cone. But I... I, I would be remiss if I just said, yeah, just follow the battle plan, but how, how do we do that then? What are the traits that we need to follow this? Because if he listened to God and he's, he's in front of him and he had this experience and he's with God in this moment, which we've talked about in all the people previously, right? Enoch walked with God. There were people who walked with God that they listened to his instructions, that they were with him. And we hear Jesus, when he finally leaves to ascend into heaven, he goes, remember, I am with you always. God is walking with us always. We're not that much different from all these heroes of the faith. God has already promised us that he would walk with us. And so what should the traits that we have of our faith be marked by? And I think the very first one this is that we have full instruction. We don't pick and choose exactly what we want. We don't sit there and we say, hey, I want to find in the scripture where this makes sense for my life. No, we actually look at the scripture and go, okay, how do I have full instruction in this so I can walk in that way? Back to Hebrews chapter 11. It says in verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. After they had done all of the things, the full instruction, not half the instruction, right? What if they had stopped at, what if they had stopped at day four and they thought, man, this is pretty silly. This is pretty, this is, why don't we just get some grappling hooks, throw it over the wall, all of us climb up and take it out. Well, no, they would not have succeeded. It's the full instruction, and I think that what that means, there's two, by the way, if you're counting. Um, it is the idea that we're spending time in Scripture. God, what in my life is not lining up to your instruction? 
You know, we, we pick things really easily. Like we could say, hey, maybe we have bitterness or maybe we have anger. But, but what about just the daily small things, which bitterness and anger are a part of? And we're going to get to those in just a second because I think that when we get the full instruction, we have to have unwavering obedience to that. We can have all the knowledge that this book has for us, but if we don't have obedience for it, it doesn't make much difference. It's just knowledge in our head. But we have to have unwavering obedience. Like I said, they had instructions to do. This isn't some sort of behavioral modification, right? It's not some sort of, well, we'll just, we'll just do this because it's a good thing to do. No, they do it because of who God is. And they know it's the best thing. Romans 8.31 says this, it goes into this and says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So not only is it in the Old Testament that they realize that God is for them and they need to follow him. In the New Testament, Paul is telling us the exact same thing. What should we do in these situations? You think that you're not getting ahead. You think that if you can circumvent what's going on, you'll be ahead more. And it's no. It's if we would actually follow God, who can be against us? Everything's going to be taken care of. We can have full faith in that. I think of a couple of things in unwavering obedience that happens all the time. We look at sexual sin, right? And we think, man, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to get married to them anyway. So I'll go ahead and sleep with them. For some of us who are married, we may say things like, well, what does it hurt to look? I'm not touching. We have horrible language that comes out of our mouth because we want to fit in with everybody. When it comes to money, I think we, I've had more conversations with people about inheritance than I think I've ever had before, about getting their money, what to do so they can get the money that they deserve or they think they deserve. Or we have people in this world who use money just to simply keep up with the Joneses instead of asking God, what do you want me to do with the resources that you've given me? At work, do we strive to be honest or do we cut corners? Do we take things from work and go, ah, oh, that's okay, they've got plenty of staplers. I don't know why I pick staplers. I've got five. <laughs> what about with our coworkers? What is our relationship like with our coworkers, with that person that keeps on grading us and is not pulling their weight at work? We avoid them or we, or we tell them, come on, get it together, or we make things worse. Or what if we're the ones that are lazy and our coworkers are like, would you just get it? Are we gossiping at work? I mean, the list can go on and on and we have instructions with that. I mean, if you, if you want to know a place to start, just look at the fruits of the Spirit and start from there. And the little kids have been working on that in their uh, Sunday school uh, or their children's church stuff. And they've, my kids have been repeating that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Self-goodness, did I forget goodness? Sorry. There's nine. But start there. Man, 
okay, we're going to work on joy. How much joy do I have? I didn't have much joy last night telling the kids I would sell the boat. My little five-year-old daughter came into the room crying, going, really? Never again? I think I said something else that was ridiculous, too. I met a guy this week that um, has a phenomenal story. And um, after Bible study on Tuesday, we sat and talked about how to live faith in action. And um, he just told me a bunch of amazing stories. And so I'm going to invite him up here to talk about uh, faith in action in front of you guys. And so, Hannes, would you come up here with me? And um, I'll... I'm going to talk about this unwavering obedience a little bit, but uh, uh, I'm going to let you get to know him for a second. So, Hannes, where, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Medford, Oregon. So I play baseball at uh, Biola University. Okay. So uh, did you know you would be here three months ago, four months ago? No. No. <laughs> no I didn't. Uh, and so Hannes, just to let you know, um, is a baseball player and he's just kind of friends with the Zerbies and so he's, he's here for, for a little bit actually until he has to go back into training for baseball. But Hannes, uh, you're a pitcher, correct? Yes. And so how fast do you throw? Um, the fast I've thrown is 92. 92 mile an hour. And so you're hoping that you get to what in a couple years? Uh, the dream is to play, ba play Major League Baseball okay, someday. So he's slated to be uh, pitching 96 within a year. 96 <laughs> mile an hour fastball. Yep. If he stays on his training. And so, um, but Hannes, you're how tall? 6'4". Um, okay, 6'4". And so you are 20 years old. Right, yes. 20 years old. And so when you were 15 years old, actually 14 going into, uh, into freshman, you, uh, you were homeschooled, correct? Yes, yep. I was homeschooled. Yeah, go homeschoolers. And, uh, You're not weird, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there are a few, but uh, I'd like to think I'm a little normal. Um, yeah. But yeah, I started, um, so I, I grew up on a ranch outside of Medford, Oregon. It was, uh, I lived out there with my brothers. That's how I grew up. I loved it. Um, but to play baseball, I had to move into town. And so um, for my freshman year, we moved into town. And um, being homeschooled, I couldn't attend a Christian school. So I had to play at a public high school. And um, so that's where uh, baseball started, kind of really started to grow for me was in, uh, in so, uh, high school. So how big were you as a freshman? Um, so going into my freshman year, I was maybe 5'9". Maybe. That was if like, I stood up really tall and had like, something underneath my heels. Um, but that spring, I went from being 5'9 to 6'2". Um, I grew so much. It was like I was eating my parents at a house and home. Like they couldn't buy food as fast as I was putting it away. And uh, I grew so much. And going into my freshman year, I was one of the better players in my grade. Um, there was a lot of people like, oh, Hannes, you're going to play really well in high school, blah, blah, blah. And um, I lost all of it. It all went away. I could hardly run, let alone throw a baseball. Um, if my teammates came up to me and they like pushed me, I would fall over because I couldn't catch myself. Um, it was honestly, it was hilarious looking back on it. But um, what started to happen was um, my teammates would make fun of it. And, you know, it's just normal joking. But uh, they would start to make fun of it, and then my coaches started to get on it, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, and uh, that kind of continued the whole time. So you had a coach who, um, who you pitched a game, and you actually won the game. But then the next game, somebody else pitched, and they lost. And he blamed the whole thing on you, and then you went and talked to him. And what did he say to you? So my freshman, my freshman year, you know, I, wasn't, I didn't play really well, but somehow I still was it. I made the varsity travel squad to go to a spring break tournament in, um, in Arizona. 
And um, one of the nights we were in Phoenix, um, my coach decided that he was going to take us all to Hooters for dinner. And uh, being a 15-year-old farm kid, I had no idea what that was. I was like, guys, what's Hooters? Like, oh, there's great wings. And I was like, oh, sweet. Uh, I quickly found out what, uh, what Hooters actually is when I got there. And uh, the guy's like, look at the menu, look at the menu. And I was like, you know, guys, this isn't for me. And uh, so I got up, went over to the coach, said, coach, this place, this isn't for me. Uh, thank you for offering dinner, but I'm going to leave. And so I left, I walked across the street and uh, ate dinner at my, by myself at In-N-Out Burger. Um, after dinner was over, one of the assistant coaches came over, he picked me up, and uh, he told me that, as a, that he respected my Christian morals and everything that I'd done, but it wasn't, it wasn't right. And that as a, as a Christian, you're missing out on the pleasures of life. And proceeded to lecture me for about 20 minutes on why, as a Christian, I would fail and would live a boring, sheltered life because I wouldn't, I wouldn't get to experience what he called the joy and fun and pleasures that life has to offer. And that's where high school really started to uh, deteriorate, was uh, starting there. Um, I didn't grow again my sophomore year. I started to gain some of my um, athletic ability back and played for, the same travel team, played for the same travel team again in the summer with the same coach. Um, and uh, we were in Alaska. And while we were there, the first night before the tur this tournament started, half the team got caught smoking marijuana. And a coach kicked him off. He said, you guys are done. Don't come back. You guys, you're done. I'm going to play with the nine guys who care. So we went out the first day, and uh, I pitched, and we lost three to two. And then the next day, my brother pitched, and we won. It was like 15 to 14. It was a really, like, tons of runs are being scored. And uh, the coach, after the game, he goes, guys, you, we got to win. I want you guys to win. You worked so hard to win. So I'm going to bring back the guys that we kicked off the team. I'm going to bring them back. And because uh, you guys want to win, you deserve to win. And... Uh, I called him out. I said, coach, like, this isn't right. Those guys didn't care to be here in the first place. They cared about themselves. They didn't care about coming up here to play baseball like the rest of us. I said, I'd rather go play with nine guys who care than with, nine guy than with eight guys who wanted to go and have fun the whole night and party. And uh, the coach brought him back, and we lost the next game, uh, kicking us out of the tournament. But from that day on, the coach, he was done with me. It didn't matter how well I played or anything that I did. It was going to be my fault. Uh, my junior year, I still didn't grow. I was actually really um, starting to become a good baseball player again. And um, I didn't play at all. In a, so in a varsity year, you play, I think we played 30 games. Um, I had three innings of pitching and three at-bats. The rest of the year, I sat. And it didn't matter what I did, it was always my fault. So if we lost a game, somehow, in some way, it was my fault. I remember um, playing, we were practicing, and we were doing some drill in the infield. And uh, one of my friends messed up the drill, and I tried to save it. And the drill got messed up. He yells at me. And after the drill, I was like, you know, it wasn't my fault, coach. And he goes, it doesn't matter. It will always be your fault. Just get that through your head right now. And um, it continued to go down from there. It was like, you should, a lot of people would say, oh, you should have just transferred. Why didn't you just transfer? But uh, my parents didn't have enough money to do that. Um, so if I was going to play baseball, I had to play at that high school. And so my dad and grandfather would encourage me. My mom would encourage me, you're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. Um, but that fall, I started to get interest from colleges. Biola was one of them. And uh, I went to the coach. I said, hey, I need, I need to work out. i got to throw a bullpen. And uh, in front of the whole team, he goes, Hans, you'll never play college baseball. Just, just forget it. Those teams, it doesn't matter. You'll never play in front of the whole team. And so from that moment, all the, being in a public school, a lot of those kids on the team, my, especially in my grade, the bullying then went up a notch because then I was now labeled as the runt. You know, and then there's a, there's a litter of puppies. There's always the smallest one. And here I was... Uh, my senior year, I was six foot four, 230 pounds. I was the biggest guy by a long shot. 
but I was the smallest guy there. It didn't matter. I was bullied for everything. They would hide my glove, hide my gear. Um, anytime, like anybody, one of my friends would be like, oh, you're doing well today. One of the other guys would go, nah, he still sucks. It doesn't matter how well you do, you'll never play. And um, that was just kind of, <laughs> that was how high school went for me. But then to go to Biola was a completely um, different story. Once I graduated and just got out of it, my senior year, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to make it. I'm just going to get through. Once I get through, it'll be okay. And uh, I got to Biola, and the difference in people was amazing. Um, everybody was so encouraging. And to be around like-minded people for once who actually knew that being a Christian was actually a good thing, and that as a Christian athlete, um, you have a platform to reach people was a completely different thing. And it built my confidence as a person and as a man of God. So that brings you actually to this summer where uh, you were planning to play in Oregon. That fell through, and then you got on a team called Athletes in Action in, in Anchorage. Or yeah. Anchorage, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I played for a team this summer that's uh, Athletes in Action. So basically, um, Athletes in Action is it's a Christian baseball team, and our goal is to um, play baseball, but at the same time become better men and men of God. So each day, um, our general manager, Chris Beck, who played in the Mariners organization, he, we, he led Bible studies for us. And it'd be, so our morning, we'd get up, we'd go to the gym, and then we'd have a two-hour Bible study that we would go through. And each one of those Bible studies would go over something different, whether it was purity, relationships, um, how to be better leaders. And so each day, we would, de we would dive into the Word and really go after what a man of God should look like. And uh, so I got to do that this summer with my brother and another guy from Biola. And it was just a great, a great opportunity to grow. And it ended up being one of my best summers, not only on the baseball field, but as a, as a Christian and as a man of God. Um, the relationships formed there were just incredible. And then every team you played, you shared Jesus with them. Yes. So we played, there were five teams in the, in the league. And it, the last time we would play the team, we would um, share with them. So we had these little cards with the gospel printed out on them. And so one guy would introduce what Athletes in Action is, then the next guy would introduce, would give his testimony, and then I would um, kind of give a short synopsis of what the gospel is, and just kind of in short a time as you can. And um, our goal is not just to, you know, get them to convert right there, but just by introducing them to what Jesus Christ is and what the gospel is, that plants a seed. And, you know, it may be the next day, it may be 10 years from now, they'll remember and they'll go, you know, I remember those guys on the Chinooks in, the, in, in Anchorage. You know, they were different. There was something about them that no matter when life was going well or when it was going bad, they still had a joy about them. What made them different? And, that, and that's the seed that God could then use to reach those men. Yeah. And I have one final question for you. Are you ready for this? Yeah. What if you woke up tomorrow and you could never play baseball again? Uh, I would be fine with that. Like the amount of stuff that baseball has taught me just as a man and as a, and to... Um, to grow through baseball, whether it's to persevere, whether it is to have patience, whether it's working hard, um, it has been totally worth it. Playing sports for me, you know, he said I was homeschooled. A lot of times, home, playing baseball for me is what allowed me to get out there and um, really experience and get to know people. And uh, I have loved every minute of it, but like he said, if baseball ended tomorrow, I would, everything I've done, I would not regret a single bit of it. Like even, the high, even what happened in high school, I wouldn't, like it all has a purpose. You know, whether it was hard, it was honestly, it was awful. I remember crying on the couch before going to practices in high school because I knew going down there was just going to be another day of bullying and told that I was the worst player ever. But looking back on it, it was, it's worth it. God put me through it for a reason, and I wouldn't be up here today if it didn't happen. So. Perfect. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
Sometimes when we get caught in the moment, we miss what it means to follow God and at the end leave all this stuff up to him. Uh, one thing that we didn't get to with him was just being willing to grow where you're planted. Man, Joshua found himself doing things that he probably didn't have to do if his, fam or if his uh, ancestors would have done what God was asking them to do. But he still took up the mantle and he said, no, I'm, I'm growing where I'm planted. His unwavering obedience. And then the next trait that we have in, in their faith is that they are they're focused. They're focused. They didn't switch up the order one day. They didn't kind of lax on the third day and go, hey, how about we let the horns go in front instead of, instead of this? Or how about we let um, these uh, people, instead of uh, walking the full little bit, maybe we'll have them walk halfway around. No, it was, it was focused. We have to stay focused every single day. I don't want to, but I'm going to. And the last one is probably one of my favorite ones. And the last one, I'm just going to say declaration. On the very last day, as they were walking around, God told them that they should blow their trumpets and blow their horns. And so after the seventh time around Jericho, they all blew. And, and here's what I think. And I'm, gonna, I'm okay with this because this is not in the Bible. Here's what I think. I think that the reason why they were yelling is not because they were trying to make so much noise that the walls would fall down. I think that they were praising God for who he was, for his goodness. And they knew that by faith, these walls would come down. Job 19, 25 through 27 has an amazing view for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Could you imagine that? That Job, after all the things that he went through, can come to this point and go, God is my redeemer, and he is the one worthy of all of my praise. It says in the New Testament that at the end of all things, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I wonder that when, we're f when we have full instruction, that when we have unwavering obedience and we're focused in what God is calling us to do, that at the end of it, no matter the outcome, we declare to everybody around us the goodness of God. But then in this story, there's Rahab. In verse 31, by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How would you like to have a title that always goes with your name that expresses the sin that you have in your life? How would you love that if you, such and such, the gossiper, such and such, the prostitute, such and such, <laughs> the gambler, such and such, the fool. Didn't you see he built his halfway, house halfway up and he couldn't do it? So, yeah. And Rahab has this 
title attached to her name. But it says in here, by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. There's a whole nother story involved in this. Because I think, I should have never told you guys. The reason why Rahab is in here is because in a perfect world, all of us can look at it and go, yeah, of course, Joshua was a great guy. Joshua had seen God the whole entire time. Of course, it was easy for him to be strong and courageous because he had God with him. And then there are some of us who look at it and go, no, we are so full of sin in our lives. How could God ever be with us? How could we ever have faith? We are so deep in our sin that we can never get out. That How could God love us? How could we ever be faithful people? And this is in here because it gives us encouragement that no matter where we are at in our life, we can still turn around and see God's battle plan and look for full instruction. So Rahab was in Jericho and the spies came into town just to see what was going on. And Rahab puts, uh, actually um, houses the spies it's a great story if you, if you want to read it in Joshua. But she helps them down out of, they're about to be found, and she helps them down out of her house and, and lets them be able to go. And, and she says, hey, I, I will help you if you can spare my family when you guys come to destroy us. Rahab was not motivated by Here's three right here. Rahab was not motivated by courage or self-protection or political calculations. She was not sitting there trying to get a little bit better of a spot for herself. She, was, she understood that Israel had God on their side. And so her faith was motivated in Yahweh. She knew that her city would fall and everybody else in that city taunted and made fun of and put down Israel from walk, for walking around. But she knew somehow that what other people had faith in was not as strong as they thought it was. And so in the midst of her sin, in the midst of everything that was going on, she saw hope through Yahweh, through God himself. Once again, back to 11.1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. In the midst of her whole entire life, just trying to eke out an existence. She said, when you come to destroy our city, would you remember my family and would you give us safety? And so she was brought in to the Israelite community 
after Jericho fell. And in Joshua 6, 22-25 through 25 says this, But the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the women and all who belong to her, as you, were, as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessel of bronze and irons they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab, the prostitute, and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And if you want to see something unbelievable... Read Matthew chapter 1 through all the genealogy because Rahab is a great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Because of her faith, she knew that it wasn't about having courage and to, to save myself and ask a question or to have self-protection or to become aligned with whoever the strongest was. No, she had faith and who God, what God was doing in the midst of her sin. How does that apply to us today? I wonder if we would trust who Jesus is. And when he says that he came to give life and he came to give it abundantly and that we would read his scriptures, that we could have a different life than the ones we're leading. That we could live our lives towards the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of self. And that we would turn towards his full instruction with unwavering obedience and that we'd be focused on him day in and day out. And at the end of all things, no matter what the outcome, if we're playing baseball, if we get in, if, if we get our bank accounts full the way that we want to or we are the best parents in the world, no matter the outcome. We are praising God all day long. That's how it applies to us today. I'm going to invite the worship band to come up and we're going to sing one song together. And, and the song is called We Believe. And it kind of seems to be one of these songs that um, if you could pick a song that a worship team loves to sing, I know that uh, Tim loves to sing this song because we as a church get to declare this. And there are some of you in this room who might not declare that, um, that you believe all these things. But I would hope that as you are reading scripture and you get the full instruction and that you're un having unwavering obedience, that you would start to go, no, this is, this is what I want to believe. This is how I want to bring myself back into it. And so if you are going to spend some time with God this morning during this worship song, there's also another part in this worship song that's called As the Deer. Pants for living water, so my soul pants after thee which is God, and, and I wonder, do you pant for God's full instruction?
or are you just trying to make it to the next day and fix everything on your own or make a semblance of life and and not spend time listening to God and maybe you are and that's and that's fine but would you be willing for those of you who are doing amazing just to just to sing out what you believe because the words in here are absolutely unbelievable let me pray for you God we love you and we thank you that you give such amazing stories in the scripture to follow and to to look at and to believe and to hope in because that's where our faith grows and so God would you help us to take the next step of of being in the moment not worrying about tomorrow but seeing you today And would you give us the strength and the courage to face those things, the little, small, little battles that we have? Because someday we may come across a Jericho in our lives. God, would we listen to you and follow you all the days of our life? In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.